Welcome to the Mind Your P's and Q's podcast with Mind Your Manners Mediation. I'm your host, Attorney Abby Godless, chatting with you about important family law topics and giving you tips for navigating Arizona divorce and custody. Let's get chatting. All right, we are picking right back up where we left off in the last episode which was all about how to enforce court orders when your ex is not following them. And as I mentioned, I was going to break off one portion of that discussion for this episode, and that is for the repeat offenders. If your ex is chronically paying late or not paying at all, then this episode is for you because we are going to discuss the accountability and enforcement court, which is that more detailed oversight, that longer term oversight for the exes of the world who, for one reason or another, fail to adhere to the court orders, specifically for child support and spousal maintenance obligations. So what actually is the purpose of this specialty accountability and enforcement court? Well, it is viewed as a problem-solving court. It is there to address this nuanced issue, to help enforce your ex actually complying with those support orders. And that is accomplished in a more friendly way in the sense that the problem-solving nature of the court It it does allow the court to better explore why your ex is not complying and actually come up with a feasible game plan to get your ex back on track and actually just abiding par for the course going forward. And the court is also there so that there is a better chance at actually gaining your ex's compliance through this route than the monopoly rules of straight to jail. So how do you actually get yourself to accountability enforcement court if you do find yourself needing its specialty services? Well, as with most things, you have to let the court know that you are requesting those services. Um, As we chatted last time, This is an offshoot of your main enforcement proceeding. So just as a quick reminder for anyone who may not have tuned in to that main episode, while I do definitely encourage you to give a listen when you've got time, because you can't take advantage of this portion without starting in that more general place. Um, But the key parts here are that You've got your orders in place, they haven't been followed, so you do first start an enforcement action under the same case number. And so this is taking that proceeding, just continuing it. It's letting the court know, hey, it's been great that you've been helping, but my ex is so chronically not paying that, you know, court, please consider sending us to accountability and enforcement court. Now, while most often you, the partner who is on the receiving end of whatever is not being paid, child support or spousal maintenance, you're most likely to have started that main proceeding and to let the court know that, hey, 
this isn't good enough. Please consider taking this further with the accountability enforcement court. But importantly, if you are involved in a 4D case for child support, the attorney general is always going to remain as an attorney of record in your matter. And so if they notice that the requirements are getting met, that your ex potentially needs this more thorough oversight, then the AG is also able to request these services. But the point being, there does have to be someone actually making the request that the main enforcement is not doing enough and that you really need to take a closer look and consider what additional oversight may be warranted. And so the judge is going to look over the referral request. And if everything does check all the boxes that they need to see, they will refer your ex to first a workshop that does allow the court to better assess accountability versus enforcement. Because while they are two sides of the same bigger coin, the end goal in either scenario is very much to get arrearages paid current and that the ongoing obligation is met without further issue. They do have slightly different purposes that there is that technical fork in the road. And so the point being that if your motion lets the judge know that there is a heightened enough concern, they will send your ex to determine which side of the aisle is more appropriate. And ultimately, the referral will be fully made to whichever is the more appropriate path, accountability or enforcement. So what are those nuanced differences? So while both courts are there to enforce your child support and spousal maintenance orders when your ex is so woefully non-compliant, but the key difference is that the accountability court addresses the times where there are actual barriers preventing your ex for one reason or another from meeting their obligations despite any best attempts. And so these are the cases where your ex is unable to pay. They may be underemployed, but in this job climate, there is a good chance that they are outright unemployed. It may be some other reason that they are not being able to actually pay the amount, even though they are making real effort. Um, and so this is the case where the court needs to help address the lack of resources that are preventing your ex from paying. And if they can help straighten out whatever your ex needs, then in theory, that is the only reason your ex hasn't been paying. And this would be a great way to come up with that, again, that feasible game plan so that your ex has a real chance of getting back on track and continuing par for the course. On the other side, the enforcement court, these are the times where your ex is simply and wrongfully unwilling to pay. They are working, they're making enough money to cover their bills and their support obligations, 
but they are just choosing to not pay. They may also be unemployed, but the key here is that in the first scenario, the accountability court, if they're unemployed, they are trying to get employed. They are trying whatever they need to do to get their foot in the door and get cash in hand. In the enforcement side, the unwilling to pay, they are willfully unemployed. They are staying unemployed to avoid this obligation. I suppose there could be another reason, but the bottom line is that for one reason or another, they are not even trying to change their unemployed situation. These are the times where it's not about a lack of resource becoming a real barrier. These are the times where the court needs to address actual behaviors, actually needs to work at modifying the bad behaviors and teaching positive, healthy behaviors so that your ex, and I hesitate to conclude this across the board, but where your ex gets it, where they understand why they should be paying. Um, And I do hesitate to put such a hard line across any and all situations, but I do feel that is kind of the biggest picture punchline I can offer. And I'm pretty sure all of you are seeing the difference in the two sides. Now, I will also mention that regardless of accountability or enforcement, this is about a contempt proceeding, okay? So the hearings that are held are keeping your ex in what I'll loosely call a contempt purgatory in the sense that all the different hearings that they will be called to throughout this overall proceeding is about them being in contempt of court for not adhering to those court orders by not meeting their support obligations. The difference with a normal contempt proceeding where you'd be held in contempt to try to get you to comply, but this is the time where the ongoing hearings and contempt is instead addressed through this problem-solving approach. It is the best way to actually get your ex to start paying both consistently, but also timely. So now that we have a grasp of how you get to this specialty court, what the nuances between accountability and enforcement truly are, What actually are the thresholds that the court needs to see? What are those boxes that the court must check in order to support your referral to the specialty court? Well, it's going to depend on the type of noncompliance you're facing. So there's going to be three different sets of requirements that I'm going to go through. Two are for child support, both for a non-4D matter, as well as there are different requirements if you are involved in a 4D case. And then the third set of requirements is for those who are not meeting their spousal maintenance obligations. Okay, for starters, there are a few universal requirements that you have to meet no matter what type of case you have. 
4D child support case, non-4D child support case, or spousal maintenance. And those include that the matter cannot be on appeal for the child support or spousal maintenance issues, whichever type of case you're looking to get into the accountability and enforcement court for. Similarly, your ex cannot have an open bankruptcy case or have been awarded social security benefits. Most importantly, they cannot have an active arrest warrant out. And that one makes sense just based on the principle of the court, which is to problem solve. And if your ex is going to be locked up soon, going to be a little more difficult for the court to keep a tight eye on them and help work through whichever issues they are needing help getting through. And then there cannot be any confirmed mental health issues or disabilities involved. But importantly, in the spousal maintenance context, that goes just a bit further and actually deals with mental health issues or disabilities that would preclude employment. Now turning to the child support specific requirements, uh, there are two child support specific requirements that are just different between 4D and non-4D cases. So the first of those two is that in a non-4D matter, you need one finding of contempt for non-payment in the last six months, whereas in a 4D matter, that needs to be two findings of contempt. Uh, Obviously, the non-payment is of child support, Uh, And then the other requirement for child support is that in a non-4D case, you do need arrears that are at least $5,000, whereas in a 4D case, just having the current judgment for support is enough. There's no specific threshold of arrearages you need to meet. And then finally, looking at the spousal maintenance specific requirements, that includes the two that I just said for the non-4D child support cases, which is that there is at least one finding of contempt for non-payment in the last six months. Obviously, this non-payment is about spousal maintenance, though. Again, your ex needs to be $5,000 or greater in arrears. Here, though, unlike child support, your ex does need to be at least three months behind on payments. And then finally, your monthly spousal maintenance obligation can't be complex. So what that means is that at a minimum, your order for spousal maintenance must be for a specific dollar amount per month, and it must be paid through the clearinghouse. So the last thing I want to wrap up on is just taking a very bird's eye view at what actually you can expect to occur during these proceedings. At the outset, the goal is for the court to actually hear what's going on and why your ex is unable or unwilling to pay. And the court will review the bigger picture of everything, considering both sides of the issue. And they're going to work to come up with an actual feasible plan that allows your ex to start paying down the amount of arrears owed while also working to then get them ready to pay consistently and timely and par for the course. And so this means that beyond the initial hearing that actually comes up with the main plan and oversight, then the oversight does need to happen. So there will be periodic hearings 
And again, this whole thing is about contempt and keeping your ex in contempt until it is resolved and your ex can be found to no longer be in contempt. And when does that occur? Well, when their entire past due support amount is paid and not just those arrearages have been brought current, but also that there is actually a pattern shown that they are now able and willing to consistently pay going forward, that this isn't going to just land back in court in six months or a year. And for those who really are rooting for your ex to face monopoly rules, as we've discussed, jail is definitely on the table, but it's also an option of last resort. Well, when your ex has been such a chronic non-payer, so repeatedly non-compliant that they are finding themselves in not just enforcement proceedings, but referred to this nuanced specialty court for added oversight, well, then this is the point where there is a real chance that they're going to find themselves in jail that if your ex is not able to adhere to the court being as reasonable as it possibly can, giving every chance to have a feasible plan put together that is a step-by-step or phased in some way that is not demanding compliance all at once, that if you can't even meet the court halfway when it's trying to extend the olive branch, then your ex is going to have a real possibility of facing jail time. This is that last resort of like, what else can we do to make you get it, to make you pay? So I hope you don't have to get this far, of course, but if you find yourself here and you have been desperately praying for monopoly rules this whole time, well, this is your best chance to see your ex behind bars. Um, Because again, if they can't even do the minimum of working with the more friendly specialty court, the court has no options left. And on kind of that sentiment, what happens if your ex doesn't show at that initial hearing? Well, (laughs) guess what? As usual, things going to be happening anyway. Um, You know, you have the option of attending, but you're not required. Your ex, as the actual non-compliant referred party, very much has an obligation to show up. And if they don't, the court is still going to address things. Um, And That means that for your purposes, as we discussed last episode, when we mentioned if or when you would need to submit a new petition about enforcement, well, this, again, is going to lock your ex into these proceedings until they're released. Um, And the, the goal is that it's a positive release, that they have met the plan of action and gotten themselves back on track and they're released for the right reasons. But as long as they remain under the jurisdiction of the Accountability and Enforcement Court, you will not need to file a new petition because things will still be ongoing. And the other point is that they've been released and it's been more than a year. 
that would be the point where you're saying court. You know, they seemingly did X, Y, or Z to get released before, but here we are once again. It's been more than a year. You know, please consider letting us back into the specialty court. And most times, you as the person owed the money that is not getting paid can submit a notice of noncompliance within that year's time if once your ex was released, they did stop making payments again, then you're going to have a chance to alert the court to that fact. But with that, we have now gone through the only levels of enforcement that there are, the main proceedings, which I certainly, as I mentioned last episode, hope are robust enough to address the issues that you're facing. But if there is such chronic, repetitive non-payment of child support or spousal maintenance obligations, you have all the info you need to get your matter referred to the Accountability and Enforcement Court and just make sure that that longer, more thorough oversight is received when truly needed. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time to stay in the know. Any links mentioned and all credits and permissions can be found in the show notes. I'll catch you in our next episode.